Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 this evening. Choose carefully what you say. Choose carefully what you say. We come to a place tonight in James, and we're kind of uh, concluding a section of Scripture. Uh, you could say that this section of Scripture really began back towards the end of chapter 3, kind of beginning in chapter 3, verse 13, when it began to talk about heavenly wisdom or godly wisdom and worldly wisdom or demonic wisdom. Uh, but definitely with verse 1 of chapter 4, we could, we could lump Chapter, chapter 4, verse 1, all the way through chapter 4, verse 12 together in, in, in really one broader section of Scripture. And we broke it down into three different messages for the sake of, of time. Uh, and this, these two verses kind of also serve as the conclusion of this section and the transition, you might say, to the next uh, session. So let's, let's kind of call back uh, real quick before we move forward on to what the theme of these first 10 verses have been in chapter 4. And the idea has been, where do your conflicts come from? It starts out, he says, where do your wars, where do your fights, where does your strife, where does your conflict, where do your quarrels come from? And we said that, that he's kind of calling back to the godly wisdom and the demonic wisdom from the end of chapter 3. And ultimately, what James pins down is that our conflicts and our quarrels and our problems and our strife they come from where do we root our wisdom? What wisdom are we playing out in our lives? Godly wisdom and godly desires present themselves as pure, as peaceable, as gentle, as willing to yield. Therefore, if you're coming from a place of godly wisdom, you cannot come into a place of conflict. It is impossible, we said, to have a conflict with someone who's willing to be peaceable, willing to yield, willing to come from that place of godly wisdom. And so James is kind of kind of shooting us straight or, or throwing, the, throwing the high heat as a baseball term uh, of really trying to kind of brush us back and brush up against us and cause us to look at ourselves. And he's kind of asking us this question. If you have strife, if you have quarrels, if you have conflict in your life, then you need to examine yourself and you need to see from whence does it come. Is it from a place where you're rooted in a wisdom other than a godly wisdom? Because selfish desires and pride and all of those things come from a worldly wisdom. And so tonight he's going to conclude this section by pointing out that it's not just the way we talk to one another. Okay, so we talked early on in the chapter about one of the things we do is, is our pride and our selfish desires cause us to quarrel and fight among one another, saying things to one another that we don't necessarily shouldn't say, I guess, would be a, a better way of putting, or that we know better than to say to each other. But he also, he calls us not just to look at how we talk to one another, but James says, look at how you talk about one another. So not just the things that you say to each other, but the things that you say about each other are a direct reflection of whether or not you're living under godly wisdom or worldly wisdom. Whether or not you are a friend of God 
or a friend of the world. Please stand this evening. Please stand as we honor the reading of God's word from James chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this evening and we ask that you would once again dwell among us, Lord God. That for the next few moments you would honor the preaching and the teaching of your word. That you would allow anything that could potentially be said in error to be wiped from my mind and from the ears of those hearing. And that we would focus on nothing but glorifying you for the next few minutes, Lord. And God, at the end of this service, we will give you the praise for the great things that you do. And it's in your precious name that we pray, as all of God's people said. And you may be seated. And so James begins to, to speak and to write to us here. And, and he starts out with these words, do not speak evil of one another. Some translations would use the word, do not slander there. Whatever word your translation uses there, the thought is the same. And it's, it's a word that means to speak against someone. Speak against someone. Don't talk about someone. Don't speak against them. Don't bring them down with the words that you say. Don't speak negatively about another brother. Whatever the translation uses, that is the tone and the tenor that James is setting right here in verse 11. Don't Talk about another believer in a negative light. You should not be saying things about someone that bring them down in the eyes of someone that you're talking to. Because he then kind of reminds us. He says, do not speak evil of another. And he says that brethren. And that's how he really kind of kicks us in the pants and says, remember, I'm talking about the people you go to church with. I'm talking about the other believers in the community. I'm talking about the other people that identify themselves as Christians. You don't need to speak against them. How many of you squirming just a little bit as you think about a conversation that you've had this week talking negatively about a brother or sister in Christ? And this type of speaking comes from a word, and it can mean several things, but it's used to talk about when someone questions a legitimate authority. So when you sat in the corner and you began to talk about the leadership of the church and the decisions that they're making without maybe having an understanding of why they're making the decisions that they're making, and you begin to run those decisions down and the person making those decisions and you begin to talk negatively about them instead of perhaps going to talk to them, what you have done is participated in the kind of conversation that James is talking about. When you speak evil against someone in private, when you put your arm around your brother or sister and say, can you believe so and so and such and such? Can you believe they would do that? Well, I'm not sure that they're really a, a child of God if they act like that. I'm not sure that they're this. I'm not sure that they're that. It can mean to bring an incorrect accusation. 
Again, it goes back to, to maybe you're talking about someone. You don't have any basis of knowledge of what the real story is. You only know what you've been told or what you think you saw, but you don't bother to collect the facts by going to talk to them directly. You'd rather just talk about them behind their back and make an accusation against what they may or may not be doing. And just in general, gossip. The word can be used intertwined with the general word for gossip. And James is warning us here that as believers, when we take part in such speech, we're showing that we're coming from a place of worldly wisdom and not from a place of godly wisdom. Now, we don't know for sure what the specific problem was in the community where James was writing. I don't know for sure why James was putting this in the letter in terms of who he was sending it to, but we know that based on the tone of this letter and the last few verses particularly, that with the community that he was sending this letter to, there were conflicts within the body of believers. There were quarrels within the body of believers. There were things going on in the local church that, that, that kind of suggest that speaking ill of one another is one of the things that was a problem in this, in this community. And this should be a reminder of this truth to us. Conflicts over most issues usually end up including personal verbal attacks and an attitude of self-righteous judgment. Let me say that again. Conflicts over most any issue usually end up including personal verbal attacks and attitudes of self-righteous judgment. In other words... When there are conflicts, more often than not, what usually ends up happening in any group of people is that people begin to verbally attack someone who seems to be on the other side of their team or on the other side of the conflict from their thought process. And usually they're tearing that person down on the other side. And what James is saying here is that we're all on the same team if we're saved. We're all the church. And so why would you tear one another apart? Why would you want to bring one another down? Think about it just from a logistic standpoint. Let's, let's throw emotion out the window as good as we can. Let's just look at it from a logistic standpoint. If we as a body of believers, if we as a church are supposed to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with as many people as we possibly can and being the salt and the light to the earth around us, if that's what we're called to do, logistically speaking, why would we want to tear someone down on the same team, making it impossible for us to reach people for Jesus? What do you think that the lost world says when they look at the church and see the church talking about each other? Why would I want to go be part of that? I get that in the world. Why would I want to go be a part of that club because they're nothing more than a country club, obviously, that requires a rite of, of passage in order to get in because if they were truly saved and truly changed by the God that they talk about on Sundays, on Mondays, they wouldn't act that way. They wouldn't say those things about each other. Why do I need to be part of that? So logistically speaking, it makes no sense to tear one another down. Now, it's a good thing that I'm here on a Sunday evening speaking to a crowd that has never spoken out against any authority in the church. I am sure that no one here has ever brought an accusation against someone else without first verifying the facts. 
No one here has ever had to stick their foot in their mouth, I am sure. I'm sure that nobody here has ever talked bad about someone else in secret. And I am even the most sure of all that there has never been a moment of gossip in any of your lives. And I praise the Lord for it. And since there hasn't been any of those things in this room, I suppose we could move on and come back next week and pick up in verse 13. But let's just say, hypothetically speaking, on an outside chance it could ever happen in anybody's life, I think we ought to go on and see what James says about these things. I think that conflicts and quarrels that have a reason to come up in our lives, and we need to examine what that reason is and how we react in those situations. And so we usually have to look at it and we say, James says we can't do this. But we know that it's going to happen, don't we? We know that these things are going to happen. Just like when we looked at the conflicts and quarrels, we said James gives us warning as to what we ought not to do, but we know that it's going to come up, so we need to know how to deal with it. And so let's look at the reason that James gives us first about why we shouldn't speak evil of one another. He goes on and he says, He who speaks evil of a brother and judges a brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. What does that even mean? It judges the law and, and, and speaks evil of the law if he speaks evil of his brother. Keep in mind the law that James is ultimately referring to is, is the royal law that he introduced back in James chapter 2. So back in James chapter 2, he kind of introduced the, law, the royal law or the New Testament law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your might, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Kind of a scriptural law, you might say. And so James is saying that to speak evil and to judge a brother is to speak evil and judge the law. Because if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, are you going to run your neighbor down in that way? So if you begin to speak evil against your brother, you first have to have passed judgment against your brother. You're not going to speak evil of someone unless you first pass judgment to decide that they need to be spoken evil about. And James says, in order to do that, you're forsaking that royal law. Because if you love them as you love yourself, would you judge them? And would you run them down? And would you speak evil of them? No, you would love them. And you would lift them up. And you would love God first. And so he goes on to say, when you do that, you, you, not only do you, do you disobey the law... But you pull yourself out from under the law. What's he says, if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. So James is ultimately saying to us, when, when you decide to judge someone and speak against them in an evil or slanderous way, instead of keeping the law, you have decided that you are a judge of the law. And if you decide that you are a judge of the law, then you deny the authority over the law. Think about that with me. If you choose to remove yourself from being under the law, then you are at that point denying the one who is in authority over the law, which is God, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is from God. This is from Jesus. And when you choose to pull yourself out from under that and do things your own way, you have said, I can do a better job of being my own God than God can of being God. 
And I don't need to be under his authority anymore. I'll take the authority for myself. Listen to me. It does not matter how high our opinion of the laws of God may be. Failure to actually live them says to the world that the laws of God are not worth living by. Does not matter how high your opinion of the law may be up here. If it's not in here and you're not living by it, then you're communicating to the world it's not worth living by. And James is pointing out to us that our talking against each other is not really a, a slip or a mistake, but it's a, a representation more of another of these tests of our faith. You know, James is giving us all these tests of our faith throughout this whole uh, book. It's all, this whole letter. It's one test after another and how we do things. And he's saying the way that you talk about one another is another Another way that you can look and examine your faith. How do you talk about each other? And so think about that. In, tone, in, in light of the whole tone, the whole tenor of the whole letter, he said, ask yourself, remember, he said, how do you respond to temptation? How do you respond to trials? How do you deal with money in your life? How do you look upon the poor and the rich? How do you look at this? How do you look at that? James has given us all of these tests. And what if we said that his idea was that we would look at ourselves in light of all of these tests and we would ask ourselves this question. Am I living on the right side uh, of this test? Am I living the way that a Christian ought to live? And if I'm not, why? Why am I not living that way? And so here is yet another test in that line of tests that James is asking us. And essentially what he's telling us to do is ask yourself this question. Do you judge and speak against a brother or sister in Christ? And if you do, why would you act that way? Examine yourself and ask yourself that question. What are the words and what are the things you say about each other? Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Because they may hurt someone, but even more than that, it may reveal a deeper heart condition. Remember what we said? The tongue speaks a reflection of the heart's condition. So be careful what you say. It is a reflection of your faith. Look with me in verse 12. Because he goes a little further than that. He says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. And who are you to judge another? He says, when we judge someone, we begin to infringe on what is uniquely a right and a responsibility of God himself. We begin to take on the role that is reserved only for God. There is but one lawgiver, only one who can save, only one can destroy. And so we do something that only God has the authority to do when we begin to judge one another in this way. Now... I do want to step back real quickly. And I want to be clear because Scripture will never contradict itself. Scripture will never come against itself and this Scripture no longer be applicable because of this one. All Scripture works together. And so I want to be clear. James is not writing to the church and telling us to forego church discipline at this point. 
James is not writing to the church and telling us that we should not look upon our fellow believers and go according to Matthew 18 when the scripture tells us in Matthew 18 that if we find a brother who's living in a condition of sin, we are to go to them first privately. If they refuse to acknowledge their sin and refuse to repent, then we would go to them with another brother or a few brothers or sisters. If then they continue to refuse, we would bring it before the church. All right, James is not telling us here in James chapter 4 that to do that is passing an unlawful judgment. He's not contradicting what Jesus would inspire Matthew to write in Matthew chapter 18. But he, he is calling us as believers to look at ourselves and the way we talk about each other because there's a difference in what's going on in James chapter 4 and what's going on in Matthew 18. And it begins with an attitude of the person who's doing the going. Matthew 18 talks about church discipline in, in the most perfect way for church discipline to be undergone. That you would recognize a brother or sister and that you would love them so much you would not want to see them continue on the path that they're continuing. You would privately go to them in hopes that they would repent and come back to God. Not because you want to hurt them or bring them down, but because you love them. And notice who that you would go to first. You would go to them. James chapter 4, he's not talking about that. He's talking about going to anybody but them. To run them down, speaking against them to other people. He's talking about running somebody's name down. It would be the way that we practice church discipline quite often. Uh, not here at Rocky Valley. I think we've done a pretty good job of it in the last couple of years. But the way that I've heard it done and seen it done far too often is instead of us going to one another with a situation, it would be when you just start talking about it over here or talking about it over here. And nobody ever gets to the person who the problem is with. But we just start to bring people down. And James says we can't do that. We're passing judgment on someone and judgment is reserved only for God. He's the only one who can reserve that judgment. So as the church, our responsibility is go to someone with the scripture and say, hey, listen, according to, to God's word, you're not living the way that a Christian ought to live. And I want to make sure you understand that because I love you and I want you to come back. So scripture doesn't contradict itself. James is not talking about a proper procedure in love and hope that the offending party would repent. James is talking about slanderous conversation and tearing someone down in judgment. And that's the kind of thing that leads to quarrels and conflicts. Because you begin to speak, and it goes all the way back to where is your wisdom rooted? Is it a prideful, worldly wisdom and desire that promotes your conversation? Or is it a godly, loving wisdom that leads into the conversation. So how do we reconcile this whole section of scripture as we close this evening? How, how do we bring this together? These, these 12 verses that say so much about the way that we do church. What causes our strife? What causes our quarrels? What causes our conflicts? Is ultimately pride. Ultimately, at the root of all of our conflicts, you can bring it right down to that dirty little five-letter word, pride. 
Pride is ultimately the cause of all our conflicts because pride says, I know the way better than God knows the way. I understand what God's word says, but I'm going to live my way because it is a better way. You say, oh, I'd never say that, Brother Jason. I would, I would absolutely never utter those words you just said. Really? Because you do every single time that you sin. Every single time that you sin when you know better, you're saying my way is better than God's way. I'm going to do it my way. So pride seeks to serve self. It seeks to promote self. And it seeks to tear others down in an effort to do so. I'm going to get my way no matter who I have to hurt to make it happen. We seek after our own pleasures. It causes us to be at war with each other. We want what others have, and so we judge each other. We talk about each other poorly, and it is a reflection of a deeper condition of sin, a deeper heart condition. And so what is the answer? What's the answer? Verses 6 and 10 sum up our answers perfectly. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humility says, I can't speak against my brother. I can't talk negatively about my brother or sister in Christ because I am not worthy of that. I'm no better than them. And I am certainly not in a position to judge them. Submit to God and humble yourself in his sight. And if we would all get that, if we would all humble ourselves in that fashion, I promise you, all the little conflicts and quarrels would find their way out the back door. Satan could never get a foothold in a church full of humility. Satan finds his foothold in those places of pride in our hearts. That's where he grabs hold of us. So be careful, little mouth, what you say, because it is a reflection of whose you are. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. It is a reflection of whose you are. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, God, we come to you this evening. Hearing from Brother James, under your divine inspiration, no doubt as James penned the letters that you had so many of us in mind, that we would look to these two verses and ask ourselves, what are the things that we say about each other, and how do they reflect our standing in Christ? And so, God, prick us down deep in our souls, Lord. That we may have no desire to speak ill of one another. Remove pride. Humble us, Lord God. Call us to repentance. That we might glorify you together, Lord. And it is in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.